everyone. Welcome to the Film for Pamp Fans podcast. The, the podcast from movie fans for movie fans. Yeah. Now that I can get movies. that out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is, I am your host, Ryan Dunlavy. This is my co-host, Rob Dunham. We are back yet again. And we have an excellent show for you. We're going to be talking about the box office. We are going to give you our list of who's going to win the Oscars and our watch list. Rob, are you ready? Are you ready to break down the heart of cinema here? I mean, we can talk about it, but I don't know how much breaking down I have to do. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, let's start off with the box office, as we often do. And uh, we'll talk about the results from last weekend. And for the third weekend in a row, not a big surprise, the Batman came in first. Uh, this weekend, taking in $36.7 million. It is now domestically at exactly $300 million, which is quite an accomplishment. It is the second biggest film of the pandemic, uh, following, of course, Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, so that takes the cake at number one. And uh, the number two is very difficult to pronounce, but it's the Jujutsu Kaizen Zero anime movie. Actually had a pretty big showing this past weekend at 14.8 million, which is really impressive for an anime film. Uh, so really did uh, really did a good amount at number two, Uncharted at number three at seven point eight million. X is the uh, the second movie to that was on its debut weekend on the list at number four at four point four million, and Dog rounded out the top five at four million even. Uh, that film has made a total of fifty four million dollars. Uh, anything that stands out to you in the box office? Well, the biggest one, obviously, is that the Jujutsu movie came in at number two. Yeah. Uh, I was also impressed by that number. And it makes me wonder if we are starting to see, like, and we've talked about this before with horror. Like, if a mm -hmm. horror studio puts out a decent movie, it's always going to have a certain following where um, it's, like, guaranteed to make a decent amount of money, especially compared to the budget of what it took to produce it. Yeah. So I'm wondering if we're going to see that with anime too, mm -hmm. um, as well with more of these releases, if there's like a built-in audience similar to the horror audience that we see when a movie comes out. Yeah, I think you're on to something here. I think we've seen both wider and more releases as well as bigger box office numbers. So I think there's definitely a trend here uh, with anime becoming a bigger force in the box office. Um, I don't think it quite has the steady footing that horror does at this point, but you could definitely see that coming uh, at some point in the future and, and more of a market building for that. Um, I'm wondering if I'm wondering how much crossover there is. Is, is it because anime itself, the comics are becoming more popular and the graphic novels are becoming more popular and that audience is translating into theaters or are these movies attracting uh, clientele outside of the outside of the readership of, of anime. I'm curious about that because you see that with yeah, would, superhero movies. Yeah, I would think that it's probably a combination of both because I think there's a decent amount of people who interact strictly with anime 
um, the cartoon style and not yeah. so much manga, the, mm-hmm. the books. So, yeah, uh, but I'm sure there are some people who are into the manga who um, want to go see it on screen also. I mean, I, I think I like you said, I, I think it's that's analogous to the superhero movie thing, because I'm sure there are some people who go to the movies because of comic books. But I th- think there's a lot of people who go to the movies just because they're invested in the superhero cinematic um, presentation. Yep. Yeah. Uh, OK, well, that was the box office results from this past week. Uh, two main movies opening up this coming weekend, the first of them being The Lost City. And this stars Sandra Bullock, Brad Pitt, Channing Tatum, Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, so a big cast for this one. And it's a reclusive romance novelist on a book tour with her cover model gets swept up in a kidnapping attempt that lands both of them in a cutthroat jungle adventure. Uh, This one has been pretty widely promoted, so you've probably seen a trailer of it. Uh, That is The Lost City. And the second release is Infinite Storm. And this stars Naomi Watts and uh, Dennis O'Hara, Billy Howie. Uh, It's a little bit of a smaller cast, but it's uh, when a climber gets caught in a blizzard, she encounters a stranded stranger and must get them both down the mountain before nightfall. So kind of a little bit of a disaster movie type type feel to it. Uh, the uh, the Lost City seems more like an adventure romance, you know, a little bit lighter, uh, lighthearted feel. Uh, what do you make of these movies? And do you have a, uh, a personal choice? So I might actually see both depending on how time goes and what's um, if the infinite storm is in the theater. Um near me i will i'm interested in that uh the lost city looks fun um i've laughed when i've seen the trailer so i think it would be fun to go to might be one i want to go to with my wife so we'll see if we can figure out a way to make that happen it looks like a like a date movie type thing um i think i find it interesting that the promotional stuff for this the posters and stuff just say sandra bullock and channing tatum on them yeah and Brad Pitt looks like he has a pretty cool role in this movie yeah. from the trailers. So, mm-hmm. um, but it looks like to be more of a background supporting role, um, not throughout the whole movie. Yeah, I think uh, I, I love climbing documentaries, climbing movies, all that type of stuff. So I'm I would be interested in the Infinite Storm. Uh, the likelihood of me seeing the Lost City is probably higher just simply because it's possible my wife would be interested in seeing it. Um, and that would make it easier, but uh, we'll see. I mean, I think both of them look like half decent movies. Uh, the question with the lost city is just going to be, is there enough plot? Like, is it, is it just, Hey, here's a bunch of stars in a movie that that's a feel good movie, or is there, is there actually going to be enough substance to this movie? Is it, is it actually going to be really funny? Is there actually going to be a story to it? Uh, that would be my only concern about the Lost City. Did we just, you know, throw in, you know, a bunch of big name stars to an eh movie uh, or or will there actually be substance to it? I'm leaning towards, yes, there will be substance to it, but um, I think it's it remains to be seen as to whether or not it's just going to rely on big name actors uh, getting your attention. 
So that's where uh, that's where I go with that. Uh, so maybe you know I, I wouldn't mind seeing both though. I think I think they're both decent offerings for this weekend. Uh, anything else to say about those? Uh, nope. Okay. All right. Well, that was our box office update, and now we will turn to our discussion. And this week's discussion is going to focus exclusively on the upcoming Oscars, which will take place this Sunday night. And uh, as we discuss the Oscars, I will first say that Film for Fans has put out our uh, list of the best movies of 2021. And you can check that out at filmforfans.com. It should definitely be up by the time you hear this podcast. And you will want to see that because that is the definitive list. That is the list you go to to decide what movies you actually need to see from last year. However, um, I guess kind of out of habit and perfunctory nature, we have to talk about the Oscars. And, you know, they have this little award ceremony that they do for this every year. Yeah, I think I think next year I need to find a way to try and like watch as many of these as possible once they announce them. (laughs) So I can be better informed. This is not that year. Yeah. And let's, let's talk about that, for example. Let's let's kind of start off with kind of a state of the Oscars type discussion here. Um, what do you... It seems, and uh, maybe I'm, I'm biasing the premise. What, what do you... I will, I'll ask it this way. What is your current feel on the Oscars themselves? Uh, how relevant is it? What is give your state of where the Oscars are at this point? So I enjoy the show, but I think that um, much of what is put forward as the best movies of the year are not necessarily what people are interested in and more. So what just a few um, select people may be interested in. And since they are the ones controlling the ceremony, it is hard to get engaged with it. Um, It's never going to be like the popular movie awards. Um, But like the MTV movie awards when they happen, like it doesn't draw attention either so yeah it's it's hard to know like i don't know if there's a way to make uh an award show parallel to it that actually will people will care about because this has become such a ingrained part of the business that it is the ultimate goal um to win these awards so i don't see that really changing mm-hmm. do you uh do you watch the the oscars when they're on I will say that I have not watched them every year, but I do often. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. For me, it's the Oscars have become more and more disconnected from the actual movie fans, uh, from actual fans of movies, actual fans of cinema. They've become more and more disconnected. They've become more and more insular. Um, it becomes more and more about things that are not related at all to who actually made the best movies, Um, whether it be demographics, politics, any, anything uh, under the sun other than actually who made the best movies. Um, And we see that, especially when you get to the actual ceremonies, it becomes about everything other than celebrating the best films of the year. Uh, So I don't watch them. 
I usually check the next day and see who won because I am curious to see who they picked. Uh, but increasingly, even the winners, um, even the nominees tend to not be connected that much to the actual people who watch movies. Then the winners seem to be disconnected from amongst those films who actually made the best film so often. Uh, now, you do have exceptions to that. And and there are occasionally times where they actually stumble into uh, something that represents a, you know, a relatively close proximity to who actually should have won. Uh, but it's it's tough. And I think especially in a year like this one, and we can move towards our discussion specifically about this year, is you'll find that for almost every one of the categories, I would I would estimate 90 percent of people have seen zero to one of the films nominated or the or the films, the performances that any of these actors or actresses have have been nominated for. And so I think there's I mean, obviously, when it comes to performances, you can have smaller indie movies where somebody gives a fantastic performance and it's worthy of seeing. Um, but to have this level of disconnection from the actual uh, common movie going audience, I think does not benefit uh, cinema does not benefit the Oscars. And, and I don't know, I think it makes a statement about where we're at. What do you think? Mm -hmm. I agree wholeheartedly with that statement. I don't know if I have much to add because I just, I'm on board. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we're going to go through what we'll do for this one is we'll go through each of the main categories. We'll talk about the, the nominees uh, and then we'll kind of do who should win versus who will win. Now, this is part of the caveat. You and I are probably not the average movie watcher. You know, we run a movie podcast. We care deeply about movies. We've been addicted to going to the cinema for a long time. Even we have had a hard time seeing these films partially because they haven't been available and partially because there really hasn't been the level of interest to go see a lot of these. Um, now what often happens sometimes is approaching Oscar time. Some of the main theaters will pull in some of these smaller releases that are nominated to give people opportunities to go to. So if you do want to see some of them, check out your local cinema, there might be opportunities to go see some of these. Uh, but it makes it really difficult. So we are, in essence, what we'll do is we will guess. We're guessing at who gave the best performance and guessing at who's going to win. And then we'll kind of keep track of it and uh, as a, a bit of a contest to see which one of us uh, is going to come across the winner at guessing on movies we largely haven't seen. <laughs> All right. You ready, Rob? Sure thing. Okay. So let's, let's, let's hit it. Um, first up, we'll do the main category, which is, of course, the best picture. Let's start off with right from the top. Let's start off with the best picture and the nominees for best picture. There's 10 of them. The Power of Dog, King Richard, Dune, West Side Story, Licorice Pizza, Drive My Car, Nightmare Alley, Don't Look Up, Belfast, and coda all right rob do you have a guess as to well who do you have an opinion on what should win that so just so i'm clear because i'm not sure i wrote this down right is it the power of dog or power of the dog power of the dog okay that's what i thought 
Um, obviously, I want Dune to win. Yes. But I don't think it's going to happen. Because mm. it's very hard for um, sci-fi type um, fantasy movies to win. Uh, it even took for the, the, the third Lord of the Rings for one of them to win. Yeah. So I think that it might have a chance when the second part comes out. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think it might be similar to the Lord of the Rings situation. Um, you've said it's hard to really judge the movie since it's only really the first half. And I think that might play against it when it comes to being in contention for an award. And it's interesting that in the, I believe in the release from the Oscars, it actually says Dune Part One. Yeah. Which obviously is not the name of it when it first came out because no one knew if there was going to be more than one this part. <laughs> um, I, so my ed- best educated guess is that Belfast is going to win. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it's uh, black and white, it's period piece, it's related to um, like conflict the, between Belfast, between the Irish people. Um, I see it being something that would draw the attention of the voters. Mm-hmm. And then my other suggestion might be CODA just because I've never heard of it. So that means that they're probably going <laughs> to... But it, my official guess is Belfast uh, to win the best picture. Yeah, I'm, I'm right on the same page with you. It should be Dune. But like you said, sci-fi has a really, really hard time making resonance with the box office, uh, with, the, with the Oscar voters. And the fact that it's the first half of a two-part movie, um, aside from the fact that people actually went to see this movie, which always puts it in a negative light for the Oscars. <laughs> if people saw it, people, you know, there's almost like a, oh, we can't give it to the thing that people actually went to see. Um, I also think the, um, I don't know that the Oscars are ready to give best picture to a film that did not debut in the, in the theaters. Um, so I think that don't look up is the insufferable choice if they wanted to make that. Uh, however, I don't know that they're ready to give an Oscar to a film that never made it to theaters because that was a Netflix release. And so mm-hmm. um, I'm thinking that one's out. Um, and I, so I'm going to go with you. I think Belfast has all the elements to something that will win Best Picture. And so I'm going with uh, I'm going with Belfast also. All right, let's move on to the next category. Best actor. And the nominees are Will Smith for King Richard. And that is the that was the film HBO did about the uh, the Williams sisters and primarily about their father. And so Will Smith played the father. Uh, Javier Bardem for being the Ricardos. Andrew Garfield for Tick, Tick, Boom. Denzel Washington for The Tragedy of Macbeth and Benedict Cumberbatch for The Power of the Dog. All right. Do you have an opinion on who should win and who do you think will win? I don't have an opinion on who should win because I didn't see any of them. I know you saw <laughs> I know you saw um, Macbeth, yeah. but I did not have a chance to see that. So uh, my, my educated guess is uh, Benedict Cumberbatch for Power of the Dog. Just because I think that he is uh, poised to break through in the award area. Mm-hmm. 
And he did he win the Oscar for the Imitation Game? I don't remember. Uh, let me I look that up here real quick. No, he was nominated. I believe he was nominated for that. Okay, let's see here. I will look up. Um, he was nominated for two Oscars. He was nominated for Imitation Game. He did not okay. win. Okay, that was my recollection. So I, I think that um, when someone has been looked at before, I think it draws attention to their future performances as well. So I'm kind of leaning on that, thinking mm -hmm. that he might be the winner here. Yeah, um, I think, I mean, I love Denzel Washington and the tragedy of Macbeth. It was a fantastic, his performance was awesome. I mean, it was it was a really interesting rendition of, of that. Uh, however, I, I have not seen Tick, Tick, Boom, but I've seen clips of it. And it looks like Andrew Garfield gave a really, really fantastic performance. I'm reminded a little bit of Whiplash and that, mm. kind, of, uh, that kind of feel, that kind of effect uh, from a movie that did win some Oscars. Um, so I'm, I'm saying I will go out on a limb and say that Andrew Garfield should win it and Javier Bardem will win it. Um, hmm. I think Javier Bardem is an actor who has won Oscars before, who has that kind of credo and credibility. Uh, so I'm guessing it's going to Javier Bardem. I didn't write down. You said, okay, you had the same thing for me for best picture. For best actor, you picked... Um, Benedict. Okay. All right. So yeah, I'm going with um, I'm going with Javier Bardem. All right. So the next category we have is Best Actress, and uh, this is another one where I have not seen any of these films, and in fact, a couple of them I'd not even heard of. And that's kind of the state of where we're at. Uh, but the nominees are Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers, Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter, Kristen Stewart for Spencer, that was the one about Diana, and Nicole Kidman for Being the Ricardos. So both the actors in that one get nominated. So there must be something to it, I guess. Uh, and uh, do you have any opinions? And who do you think? So I found it interesting and I read an article about this recently, um, how Hollywood seems to be obsessed uh, even more so with the best actress for some reason with mm -hmm. people who play historical figures. Yeah. Um, and so in this one, we have three. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Princess <laughs> Diana, you have um, Lucille Ball and you have um, Tammy Faye Baker. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think, my my thought just based on i think it will be one of those three because i just think they like giving the award to someone who plays a real person yeah and my feeling is just with the emotional weight of it that kristen stewart will probably win from spencer is my thought there mm -hmm. yep. um i'm gonna go with who should win it it should be jessica chastain because anyone who's willing to put up that much makeup on every single <laughs> shoot this film probably should win something as a result <laughs> so I, my uh my sentimental pick is jessica chastain on this one but i agree with you i think it's going to be kristen stewart um i i think for all the same reasons you were talking about they love people who play historical figures uh, Princess Diana was a beloved historical figure. This movie was talked about for nominations pretty much the moment it came out. 
Um, I do think it would be slightly ironic for Kristen Stewart to win a Best Actress award, considering how many years of her career people have been talking about how she can't act. <laughs> so, or or she's very wooden in her performances. So, I do think it would be it would be interesting and ironic for her to win a Best Actress Oscar. Uh, but I I think that's what's going to happen. So we're on the we're on the same page on a couple of these here. All right, so let's go to Supporting Actor. Best Supporting Actor. Uh, the nominations for Best Supporting Actor are Troy Kotzer for CODA, uh, Jesse Plemons for The Power of the Dog. Lots of nominations for The Power of the Dog. Siren Hins for Belfast. Cody uh, Smith-McPhee for The Power of the Dog. Yes, you have two Best Supporting Actors from The Power of the Dog. And J.K. Simmons from Being the Ricardos. As you see, there are a number of uh, recurring themes from the movies here in these categories. Uh, all right, Rob, what you got for me? Yeah, the good thing about maybe next year pursuing actually watching these is there does seem to generally be a good amount of overlap between like best pictures and who actually gets nominated for the acting roles. It would make sense. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to go with Siren Hines, Hins, Siren, Siren. I don't know how to pronounce either of his names, but I'm pretty sure it's Siren, and I don't know how to pronounce his last name, um, with Belfast. Uh, he's a very established actor, um, has been in a lot of stuff, uh, and I could see him uh, pulling it for this one. There's nothing else. There's no other ones really that jump out to me. I do think that Power of the Dog having two means that neither of them will win. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think that narrows it down to three and i just think that out of the three i would choose him to be the one who wins yeah um i did something similar i think it probably should be jesse plemons uh from the power of the dog just because i think um from what i'm hearing his performance and that was quite good it's kind of interesting he plays along Kristen alongside uh kirsten dunst in this and it just gives me uh fargo season two flashbacks <laughs> uh so that's that's kind of funny. Um, but I think I agree with you. I think the fact that you have two nominated from the same film, uh, they, they would definitely split the votes on that one. And so I'm going to go with Troy Kotsor from Coda. I feel like that film will win something. And um, Best Supporting Actor seems like the most logical, uh, logical way for the the nominating committee to get that film an award. So I'm thinking Troy Kotsor is going to win for coda all right and let's go with best supporting actress uh the nominations once again from the power of the dog kirsten dunst uh jesse buckley from the lost daughter uh ingenue ellis from king richard judy dench from belfast and ariana debose from west side story what do you got so I'm going to go with Kirsten Dunst to match with Kristen Stewart. So we have a Kristen and a Kirsten. <laughs> I think the combination of best actor from Power of the Dog and best supporting actress from the same movie is um, something that's happened before and something that I would not be surprised by. Mm. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Judy Dench won. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, she has an incredible cachet um, and history as uh, actress. But I'm going to go with Kirsten Dunst for this one. Kristen Dunst, Kirsten Dunst, whatever. Yeah. Kirsten. 
I have that for me, I have that Kirsten Dunst probably should win it. I'm guessing it will be off the board on this one. And I will go with Anjanu Ellis will win for best supporting actress on this one. Um, yeah. So I think that's the direction we are headed, but I think Kirsten Dunst will, should probably win it. All right. Last category, best director. Here we go. Jane Champion for The Power of the Dog. Steven Spielberg for West Side Story. Uh, Ryusuke Hamaguchi for Drive My Car. Kenneth Branagh for Belfast. Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza. All right, Rob. Thoughts? So often we see the best picture and the best director going to the same person. And I have the I have a feeling it'll be the same and I think Kenneth Branagh will win for Belfast um I really hope that Steven Spielberg does not win for West Side Story <laughs> I could see that happening but I I hope that doesn't happen um I so I think it will be Kenneth Branagh Belfast yeah I think it should be Kenneth Branagh Belfast for a lot of the reasons you have said um Paul Thomas Anderson is always one who's always going to be in there. He does. He seems to make some splash, but doesn't usually seem to win. Um, yeah. Steven Spielberg really doesn't belong in this category. He, other than the fact that his name is Steven Spielberg. Um, however, I think they're going to split this up. I think this is going to Jane Campion for uh, pow the power of the dog. I think they're going to fight with the many nominations as that has, I think, I think you're going to see Jane Campion win for the power of the dog, even though it probably should be Kenneth Branagh. So that's, that is, that is my prediction is that it will be, it will go to Jane Campion. All right. Any so, other, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. My question is, are there any other categories that you looked at that you have a strong feeling about? Cause there are a few for me. Cause okay. I actually, I, seem to tend to have stronger opinions about the more technical things because <laughs> I, think, I pay attention to them when I'm watching the movies that I watch. And I think for, I think there's a good reason for that too, because I, I think they have a tendency to, to get them better. They do a better mm -hmm. job of picking the less quote unquote important ones. Mm -hmm. I, I do think they do a better job on that. So what, what do you got? Um, so original screenplay, I have uh, picked Don't Look Up. Mm. I actually watched that last night. Um, and I feel like uh, how it was written and the current climate we're in, that it will get that um, recognition. Um, also cinematography, I think Dune needs to win that. Yes. I think it would be ridiculous if it doesn't win that, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, as we talked about, when it came out it's just the word epic yeah is is what that movie is um makeup i will say that i think corella should win mm. and i was just really impressed by this the scenes they set the world they built in that movie and i could see it getting the honor there and then original score i also think dune should win um just a uh, Along with the cinematography, I think the music in the movie was also um, impressive and epic to go along with it. So yeah. those are the four that that I saw further down the list that I had thoughts on. Mm -hmm. uh, I will say uh, the couple I would have is um, 
I would say for, um, uh, what was I looking at here? For production design, uh, I think production design, you would have uh, a good case for Nightmare Alley on that one. Um, I think that was really good production design. I'm agree. Cinematography, I actually, you know, I think Dune should win should win by a landslide but i think Macbeth would actually be a pretty good pretty good second to that one um in terms of uh uh what was the other one i was thinking about um let me see here uh best sound uh i thought no time to die could work for best sound potentially uh but dune would be another good one there because there were some really good moments in that but i think no time to die had some excellent sound uh, so that would be and visual effects. I think that goes to Dune, uh, best achievement in visual effects. But also, Free Guy is an interesting nominee in that one too because mm -hmm. of how they did it with the augmented reality. I think you could make a case for Free Guy in how they were able to build those worlds and and make it very video game esque. Yeah, I think when it comes to sound design, um, there aren't many movies I watch where that stands out to me as a huge thing but even just watching that in imax and hearing what they did with sound in dune yes um and some different scenes to portray tension or um growth in the characters was something that stood out to me like it was recognizable it it, it was very intentional yes and i don't think you see that in uh, all movies so i think that gives it a case to win for that Yep. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So that's a wrap up of our Oscars. The Oscars take place on Sunday night and make sure you go to filmforfans.com to check out our list of top movies in 2021. And yeah, go out and watch some good movies. And like I said, there are, there could be some options. If you want to see some of these movies, check out your local theater. Some of them will probably be running over the next week or so. Uh, so go out and see one. All right, let's move over to our watch list. These are movies we've watched over the past week, and we'll give our brief thoughts on them. Rob, what'd you watch? So as I said last night, I watched Don't Look Up. Have you seen that? Uh, yes. Not yet. I, okay. I intend to watch it eventually. Yeah. So it's on Netflix, and the premise of the movie starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence and many other people of the cast is phenomenal for this movie. Um, they discover a comet that is heading towards the Earth. And the whole movie, they're trying to convince people that it's actually happening and not made up. And it's very much related to and tied to what's happening in the, the real world today. And I just find it fascinating. Like, the who has the information, who has the power of information, um, a couple lines that stood out to me. <laughs> They're in the White House and the president is played by, I guess you could call them a Donald Trump-like figure. Um, she's a woman who was an actress and appears to have no actual political credentials whatsoever. And her chief of staff is her son, who's just her chief of staff because he's her son, played by Jonah Hill. Um, it's hilarious. Um, but the... Leonardo DiCaprio says to them, the science on this is like 100%. It's 100% going to happen. And um, the president played by uh, Meryl Streep goes, oh, nothing's 100%. You can't tell people there's there, there's 100% chance they're going to die. 
And then, <laughs> then Leonardo DiCaprio goes, well, actually, it's like 99.78%. And then Joan Hill's character goes, yeah, so not 100% then. <laughs> yeah. Um, it just it speaks to uh, our culture in general about people trying to decide what's true and what's not mm-hmm. true with any imminent disaster or thing that's going on. And I, the funniest part of the movie for me is they go to the White House. This is what I talked about online um, a few places, but they go to the White House and they're with a three-star general. And he goes to get snacks from the kitchen and he rings them back and charges them $10 each for their snacks. <laughs> and then uh, Jennifer Lawrence's character goes to the kitchen to get water later. And she says to the lady in the kitchen, like, where do I put my money for the snacks? And the lady goes, this is the White House. The snacks are free. <laughs> and so the whole rest of the movie, she like just at random points in the movie, she's just laying there. She's like, I just don't understand. He's a three-star general. Like, what, was this a power play? Like, I don't, I don't know why. Why did he charge us for the snacks? <laughs> As this comment is like hurtling towards Earth and we're about to destroy the entire world, all she can think about is, why did he charge us for the snacks? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I, I like the performances in this movie. Mark Rylance was also very good uh, in this movie, and. I recommend checking it out is on Netflix. Um, th- not a kid's movie. Yeah. It's a rated R movie for a reason, but I definitely enjoyed it. Um, I don't, I don't think it was a fantastic movie. Like I personally think that it should not have been nominated for best picture. I think that's going a bit far Yeah, with a movie like this, but I do think that the way it was written and the social commentary in the script make it a strong contender for the best original screenplay. And that's why I suggested that it would win that. My, I just, movies that are nakedly political from the outset just don't interest me as much. It's like, Hey, here's this thing we want to say. And so we're going to build a movie around what we already want to say. I I just like, I have a hard time being interested and be like, okay, I know what you're going to say from the outset. So why am I watching this movie? Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's my hesitancy. I will watch it eventually, and uh, and we'll and we'll see it. But I just haven't. I just have. I do think. Interest. I do think Adam McKay is a pretty good director. Um, so I, I enjoyed the direction of the movie. It was interesting. They spliced in like shots of life on Earth, like bees and hummingbirds and hippos, and it reminded me a little bit. Of, and I wonder if he did this on purpose, but it reminded me a little bit of the of Tree of Life. Hmm. And I, I'm wondering if he was like doing that to like. I'm not mock that, but to be like, oh, look, I can be super serious too. Like, <laughs> um, and I mean, the movie starts out with Jennifer Lawrence listening to the Wu Tang Clan as she's looking through a space telescope. So <laughs> it is, it is intentionally off the wall and absurd. That obviously, in my opinion, even, no matter who the president was, there would be people around the, him or her who would be good advisors to them and actual political figures, not like their son (laughs) as the chief of staff who just hangs out in the Oval Office the whole time and gets high and is an idiot. (laughs) But Jonah Hill plays that character well. That is that is basically the Jonah Hill character. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
All right. Uh, did you have anything else? Uh, that was, I was. I believe that was the only thing I watched this week as far as movies. I've been watching Dexter okay. um, every night. So. Okay. Nice. Yeah, we're in the we're in the halfway through season two right now. Excellent. So. Excellent. Yeah. Very cool. I, I approve. Uh, uh, for me, I saw, I, I got around to seeing Death on the Nile, uh, and I, I very much enjoyed it. You talked about it a couple of weeks ago when, when you saw it. Um, I did very much enjoy it. I was surprised at kind of the slow build of it. They really spend a lot of time building the tension of the movie. And so the actual like investigation part actually comes significantly later into the film than you might think. And and they really do spend a lot of time building the overall tension of the movie, the tension between the characters and surrounding the characters. Um, again, I always love murder mysteries. And, and this one um, has that has that similar kind of format, has that you know traditional format, but it does does flip it on its head a little bit. And it's interesting to see one where it, for much of the movie, uh, the character of Poirot seems a bit overwhelmed. And and it's one of those where the one criticism I would have is it seems like he kind of pulls the solution out of thin air in the in the film. Uh, he he pulls it out of thin air. Now, I mean, you can easily make the case like he's been building to this over over time, and you know, but they don't show that necessarily, like. Uh, so that would be a slight criticism to it, but I, I did very much enjoy enjoy the film and the performances were quite good. Um, I enjoyed all the the settings and scenery around Egypt was fun and interesting. Uh, so that's that one, Death on the Nile. If you get a chance, I would recommend seeing it. Uh, and the other one I saw is Ten Things I Hate About You. It was on TV this weekend, and I, I got to sit down and watch a watch it i i this one has grown on me on my list of like all-time favorite rom-coms uh it's so 90s it's so 90s it's fantastic it's <laughs> as someone who grew up in the 90s it's like everything you remember about the 90s it's like it's got the it's got the the girl lead singer uh with the it's got the punk clothing it's got all of all of that type of stuff like every single little 90s thing in there is is in there it's great um, Heath Ledger, Julia Stiles. Uh, it's actually an adaption of, uh, of the, uh, Shakespeare play, the taming of the shrew. Mm -hmm. And so there is, there's a bunch of Shakespearean elements in that. Uh, so I just think it was a really solid movie and, and I, I enjoy it. And the more I've, the more I've seen it, the more I enjoy it. I agree with that. Yep. So just a solid movie. All right, Rob, you got anything else? I do not. Okay. Well, that is the show. Uh, thank you for checking out Film for Fans. And make sure you visit filmforfans.com for all of our other content. And like, subscribe, tell your friends, all that good stuff. And we will catch you the next time on the Film for Fans podcast. Until next time, enjoy the movies.